God must have laughed, seeing me break my fast yesterday. Smiling from year to year, this 33-year-old loudly exclaimed, Alhamdulillah, at the first cool sip, like it was my first fast. A wide smile, a big belly laugh, my unmitigated joy was clear for all to see that I was happy with Al-Karim Al-Wali. The other day, someone said, You're so religious, but so funny. And I chuckled to myself with glee. There's so much pain and grief and anxiety that my tiny shoulders carry. For all the people he's taken from me, he's given me sweetness in his company. I've honed a skill of finding the funny in a calamity. Amidst the harshness, I laugh hysterically. When my airtight plants combust spontaneously, I shoot a knowing look at the heavens above me. When God is emptying my hands completely, I know a greater gift is making its way to me. Sometimes he replaces it swiftly, and sometimes years pass and I've forgotten it. The gift always comes punctually. But God, you know, he teases me. I wanted to share this story. So one of the things that I sometimes struggle with, my family still teased me about a time when there were lots of people walking by. It was quite busy and loud. Let him rise out of my questions as answers. How she can access her pain and free it so, so, so. Assalamu alaikum and Eid Mubarak. Welcome back to this very special, quite different episode of the Submissions Podcast. Today we bring you a new episode where we are joined by some incredible Muslim poets and reflect on their pieces. We pray this podcast continues to achieve its intentions of being a platform to explore and share stories from Muslims and that today we can reflect on some wonderfully insightful poetry. As always, between the poems, not stories today, you'll hear from a couple of members of the submissions team sharing our thoughts and reflections on the pieces. We pray we continue to achieve all that we intend and want for the sake of Allah to whom we submit. Bismillah, this is Submissions. Asalaamu Alaikum everyone, I'm Inaya and I'm one of your hosts for this episode. Asalaamu Alaikum everyone, I am Hania and I am your other host for this episode. It's an exciting one. It is, inshallah. So today we thought we would go down a bit less of a story route, although I guess poems can be termed stories, right? And we're going to share some very, very cool poems that have been sent in from different people. Inshallah, today we can bring you a bit more of a discussion about the poems themselves and just have a nice Eid Ramadan reflection episode. How was your Ramadan, Hania? Alhamdulillah, it's been another quiet Ramadan, but I think I'm really trying to, it is still Ramadan as we're recording, so um, I guess I'm speaking in the present tense, but I'm really trying to kind of lean into the kind of slowness of things and, and enjoy that. Even though, as we were talking about just before the episode, uh, Inaya and I were discussing how quickly everything still seems to be going. But I think having less external hecticness, yeah, allows us to look inward. And I think for me, I've been just trying to be more mindful of everything I'm doing and intentional um, and, and use really use Ramadan as a way to practice that. So even if it's writing an email at work or something, just trying to kind of focus on it completely and exercise that kind of consciousness muscle. Reminding myself that I've been failing quite miserably in the last few days, but it's good to talk it out so that I can try and um, get, continue the last mm. few days with, with a bit more mindfulness. And how's yours been, Anaya? 
Alhamdulillah. I wanted to just uh, respond to what you said. There's no failing in Ramadan. There's no such thing. You can't fail Ramadan. Distance. That's very true. It doesn't make sense. It's, at the end of the day, it's Allah, isn't it? We, we. I think the last two Ramadans, I've really internalized the importance of remembering that our success or you know what our worship, our ibadah, everything at the end of the day will be up to Allah's mercy and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to decide on how how good it was or how how much we succeeded, etc. Right. Mm. But I think sometimes we attribute that to ourselves and get caught into this sort of like, oh, I haven't right. done enough. And you can get into a bit of a Ramadan rut sometimes, can't you? And I think it's really yeah. important to just actually take a step back and refine those intentions and just remember that, that this is for Allah. And at the end of the day, inshallah, He will, He's the most merciful and He will. He's our Rahman, he's our Rauf, and he will accordingly, actually not even accordingly, sometimes beyond what we deserve. Of Most of the time are beyond what we deserve, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> so, but in response to your question, it's been a wonderful Ramadan. Really yes. quick, really quick, alhamdulillah. But yeah, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm having flashbacks to you in the last episode saying to Ayn, you were saying like, oh, there's only 10 days left to Ramadan. <laughs> now we're <Yeah>. doing this. <laughs> And there's only a few days left of it, yeah. Subhanallah, now we're doing the Eid episode that people will listen to after Ramadan. So, wow, subhanallah. But I pray that, inshallah, all our listeners had a really, really beautiful and blessed month and that we are all blessed with the opportunity to see Ramadan again. And inshallah, that I pray that even between the Ramadans, we're able to really remember the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just keep growing and keep keep going. <laughs> and that they're very poetic, isn't it, with... with <laughs> with the vibes just, of today's we're just episode. gonna be speaking in rhyme yeah that's just <laughs> oh you did it again nice one <laughs> that's just yeah just gonna be spitting bars for the whole episode <laughs> so i think maybe we should introduce the first one then what do you think hania yeah let's go for it the first poem is from professor Joel Hayward, who became a Muslim almost 20 years ago, is a widely published historian and scholar of Islam based in Abu Dhabi. His 16th book, titled The Leadership of Muhammad, has just been published by Claritas Books. That sounds really good. I've not read it myself, so I would definitely look to be getting that, inshallah. And this poem is a poem from his collection, which is entitled Poems from the Straight Path. So let's have a listen to Professor Hayward's poem. I cling like a child to the leg of a mother. O Allah is the flinger of things, the bringer of stings, the terrifier, the hypnotizer, the magnifier, a spurner, a burner, the great turner. I am burned, I have turned, and painfully learned. I cling to the Lord of all ages, sender of sages, the payer of wages. I hold tight, I live and love right, I cling, I cling. Thank you very much, Professor Joel Hayward, for sending us that poem. Hanya, I mean, this is a very different episode, isn't it? Because usually you have the stories and 
yeah. it's very clear it's something happened beginning middle and end kind of thing whereas poems are so much more I guess like in, interpretive or so much more what you were saying before before we recorded the episode we used to have entire uh, English lessons on extracting <laughs> things from poetry so it's always yeah, a bit harder and- I think Right, exactly. And so kind of in preparing for this episode, I was thinking, you know, I feel like almost sitting down and annotating, you know, each word and and analysing what's being said. But I think the general mood of this poem and what it reminded me of is um, just the, the stories in our lives that lead us to the point of needing to cling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and I really enjoyed kind of the different phases or the different expressions that um, Professor Hayward uh, talked about and all of those different experiences being times when you need to cling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. and how sometimes that clinging is not something that's easy I'm reminded of the um, hadith about holding on to faith there's a time when holding on to faith will be like holding on to hot coals and in that it's sometimes it's something that's difficult but ultimately so worth it because of the kind of uh, comfort and contentment that you find in yeah clinging to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanallah and I like that he used the metaphor of clinging like a child to their mother because there is, there's that whole, the metaphor of, you know, like Allah loves his servants more than a mother loves their child. Right. And um, the hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu there was a, a mother consoling a child. And then he asked the companions, like, look at that child, look at that mother. Do you think that mother would ever throw her child into the fire? And they were right. like, no. Um, and then he said, wallahi, Allah loves you more than that. Yes, and... yeah, I think I just literally um, heard about that incident yesterday, like was reminded of it again. I think it was a mother who was united with her child after a battle, after the Battle of Hanain. And so she had that extra like desperation and extra feeling of closeness when she was reunited with her child after the battle. Parallel of that and then that teaching us about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's connections. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is that you know the first time I heard this poem I remember being like like some of the some of the words used to describe Allah I'm like I was a bit like oh oh they're really intense like you know they're, they're kind of like the really intense qualities and attributes but actually there's there's such an importance in us firstly reflecting on those because you know, there's that whole thing about that Islam is like a, a bird with, with one of the wings is is fear and one of the wings is hope right, right? Yeah. And um, and I think it's it's like you can't have a bird with one one wing. I think it's mm. like sometimes I think we maybe get kind of overly invested in in one or the other, and and it's it goes both ways. You know, some children and growing up, I think some some of the way that Islam was taught to me was sometimes a bit fear based, like very fear based. But then that was without the hope. Mm. And then the other side is true. If you, if you're just constantly only talking about the the hope and all of those things, which Allah doesn't shy away from, like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala doesn't. Mm. He, if he wanted, he could have had ninety nine only names that are only like exciting and hopeful and positive, quote unquote. But there are some names that are very like intense and and attributes yeah. that are, are properly, you know, like the reckoner, the avenger, etc. Mm. Um, but the whole point of that is for us to realize that Allah does not shy away from that and, and the grand the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the humility that we should have as slaves, as his slaves in that. It's not like mm. a it's not a level playing field by any means, of course. We're like, what are we compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not mm. even a comparison. It's it's not even 
what is one as a proportion of infinity, right? So, but I think, yeah, I really liked that because it is exactly that. And, and as you said in the beginning, a lot of the time, our the times when we're tested the most and the times when we're going through the most difficult times is our avenues into being able to cling to Allah and being able to get even closer to Allah than we ever mm. could have before. Wow, subhanAllah. You know what? One minute poem. I didn't think we'd have that much to say, but we've <laughs> said a lot. <laughs> Maybe we should move on to the next one. Unless you have anything, any final points? Any final no, I think that I think that there's yeah plenty to keep thinking about. But that's, yes. I think yes. that's one of the be- beauties of poetry is that mm. yeah, it can, it kind of just launch pad for thoughts. <laughs> like as soon as you kind of start reflecting on something that you've heard, then it can help you to kind of spiral and. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's go to the next submission. Um, and so this one is from Zirar, who you may know from Instagram. His work as a writer and photographer. He's based in London, um, and he spent the last decade traveling the East from North Africa, Egypt, Hejaz to the lands of Khorasan. Um, he is also an active writer and researcher in the fields of Islamic history, art, and architecture, as well as a cultural critic in the field of Orientalism, especially in model, modern travel photography and literature. So Zarar's piece is a piece of poetry slash prose. If you were born a Muslim, do you remember the first time you whispered the creed? The words that recognized and then reverberated in you the oneness of God that united all your separate existences into one, that there is none but one? Did you recognize then, or do you recognize now, the concept and importance of the one, the singular, the center, the focal, and the unclear, the entire other? Do you search for him, and if you do, or did, was he found? Because I ask, is this his light around me, above me, below me, and to my left and to my right? I placed him first on my tongue, then swallowed his mystery deep. His name would hesitatingly vibrate with any but my mechanical and entirely distracted prostrations. If you are here watching, then know this, O my Creator, that this is for you, but you say this is for me instead. So here we are, looking at each other, waiting for the heart to stir. Years passed and so did my interest. Religious curiosity turned into a search of the intellect, of the mind. If Islam declares itself to be a religious philosophy that ferments brilliance in the mind, let him rise out of my questions as answers so that I shall put to peace the first step, because once I understood and accepted his existence, I argued to myself, I could be the slave he has destined for me to be, an obedient one. As I would rinse my arms in preparations for prayer, I would catch the sight of water forming and then falling off my elbow and fingertips. This sight always caused me to tremble. It is said that the act of wudu is an act of love and worship in itself. So do not hurry, but ensure the water that collects in your hair, mouth, fingertips and feet is thorough, for it will take with it your sins once it leaves. But the act of prayer delivered nothing. 
But he watched throughout as I stood in corners and holes, in small and large mosques, in my own caves and caverns, as I joined large gatherings or hid myself in myself. Our faith was built on contemplation. Ibrahim salam saw the stars fade, the moon sink and the sun set, and observed signs of the one, the one God. He denied nothing, and nor did I. The Quran says, we will show them our signs in the universe and in their own selves until it becomes manifest to them that this is the truth. Later, I attributed faith or this adherence to faith. How do these pilgrims, these pious worshippers perform and convince themselves of his presence so convincingly? Has he abandoned me but entered them instead? Where do their hands and feet find the strength to run to him when I walk backwards? I search for him. I deserve him. I found nothing. I deserved nothing. The infitude of Allah was where my trembling began. I grappled in thoughts and the various lands, reached around and opened the fists of old men, of blind and the deaf, of mothers, of brothers and strangers, and then asked, Where is he? in fear always that he was watching. I sealed my eyes and looked away when the truth began to inscribe itself. But then I did find him, and he has not left since. My accusations of self-apostasy dissolved. He came suddenly not from one member, one sermon, nor from one shrine or mausoleum, nor from a chapter or verse, or even a word or a nukta. I stood under the arches of Cordova where Iqbal bent his knees to do the same, perhaps, but I also stood in the shadow of minarets and ran my fingers through the mukarnas of Horasan, delighted with my efforts, but then I went even further and loudly applauded men for his aspirations to please him. At this height I understood man's selfish need to inspire himself in the setting of the sun, but I had no such need. I hoped instead the sun not set, not leave, and suspend itself in the lowest of the horizons that today Mikael and Jibrail would have mercy and not cut its throat, that the red and orange hues be left inside, that no sign was needed today. The lamp that would be lit inside me sourced their oil from the lands that I had called his name in. What seemed doomed to me now began to blossom into something. This is how it happened. I veiled my eyes with his signs. I sealed my ears with his recitations. I pressed my forehead on his doorstep and he showed himself. I have been standing still since and I no longer know where to be. And each time I do call for him with need, he responds. Can I show you without revealing my own shame who he is? What he has inspired in these distant lands? What pages he has filled with his ink? What seas he has emptied with his glory? what limbs and what hearts he has turned. I found him first and, let me count, by the orphan. I followed him to Hijaz and under the Uthmani arches and doors he rocked and cradled, then pushed me and said, Go. And without hesitation, but with doubt, I went. It was here that I met Muhammad, my Mustafa, and it was here that he pulled and cloaked me by his most beloved. But I sat by my own beloved's blessed feet and then on other days, by his blessed head. I concealed him in these moments, in my arrogance and in my own abstractedness, but I could not succeed. Truth began to
to leak. It left my eyes down the fingers, foamed on my feet, and then overtook me. It is him who, with his fingers, stirs the heart or leaves it to be. Some prayers remain ordinary, many remain empty, but the few, and this can number perhaps just one in a year, wash you and clean you of the dirt of the world, and you glimpse into his mercy with clarity. It was later in poetry that he would resurface. It was not in Keats, Milton, or any other anthology, but in the words of Iqbal and Uther, who managed to do what none other in my assessment had done. With poetry in my finger as a tool, I began to undo the known and unknown knots in my heart. Poetry as a wider art of science removed the distractedness and focused on the urgent. Then I found him in my faithlessness. I believe, I declared, but am I to be tried? This burden that I carry, it is no more or just above what I can bear. With each act of denying his place in my state and my blessings, his voice grew faint. His position by my side became less apparent, and his words became more problematic. What I thought, my logic, repelled the master logician, but then I found him ever-present when I denied him entirely. What a beliefs articulated so masterfully, using my own arrogant human intellect, my weak heart, and with such little effort, was dusted off when Kulhu Allahu Ahad was recited by my tongue as a habit. The heart starts to fill, some say with light. In the denial, it shrinks, so in acceptance it overflows as quickly. I rocked up and down, past these dunes, and I was not alone. As I felt the hands of my brothers tighten the grip, I rocked one evening back and forth in the darkness of night. Untrained to this motion, I cradled myself. In this journey, who else cradles, who else folds our limbs, caresses our hair and whispers, be calm. The following evening, calmness was my abode, but before the hour of Fajr arrived, my heart stirred. Awake, Bani Adam. Awaken, Bani Adam. He was here. He was here, my heart has lit up again, and I have found him. He was here. Oh, subhanAllah, honey, I'm really happy that we're doing a poetry episode because my brain is, I think my brain is running at a million miles per hour right now. I've got so many things, so many thoughts, so many, so many things to say. Right. <laughs> so what's, okay, what's, what's the first thing that's on your mind? One of the main things is I love the humility. This is a lot like last week with Asma's story when she was talking mm. about her journey to Allah and how she was talking about you know the veils of arrogance and everything had dropped that was her kind of entry to Allah and I think but in unit is to enjoy originally initially going to like atheism versus Islam debates I used to be like oh my gosh <laughs> and then I and then I and then I started to really hate them because you realize that there's like one side there's basically two sides of people who are so convinced by their truths and it's mm. like, what is the end point of this debate? Like, are we trying to convince each other of each other's truths? How is that going to happen? It's so polar, right? Like, mm. my entire truth is based on Allah. And my entire truth, my existence is based on there is a creator and I am created to serve him. Mm. Whereas somebody who doesn't have that faith, theirs is like the complete opposite. That there is like, no, there isn't one. Mm. 
Um, and so how do you even begin to actually entertain that conversation? And and I think the reason I bring this up is that I used to spend a lot of time thinking about really intellectual, like convincing what to believe or getting people to understand or just, but actually when you hear it, when you, when you speak to converts to Islam, when you speak to people who have gone from completely different paths and suddenly become very, very in tune with Allah and in tune with Islam, it's really mm. rarely that it's like an intellectual thing that's made them do that. It's really rarely that it's like, mm. oh yeah, I was reading about like the, you know, this sort of theological thing and, and then it suddenly it struck me. It tends to always be these moments of humility when, when people realize like, whoa I'm in need of something I'm in need of like I'm not self-sufficient there's more to life than than what I think there is etc and that's that seems to be overwhelmingly whenever I've heard people talk about even people who are Muslim but have suddenly become closer to the faith it tends to be that sort of thing that the ground shakes from underneath them and they realize that there's no stability except with Allah and so I really that's what I really loved about this because it was in the beginning he's saying all these things about you know that logically all of these things that he's trying to come to terms with and intellectually all these things that he's trying to come to terms with and then even at points when he's sort of like rejecting Allah as as as, as even existing Allah doesn't stop existing because we decide he doesn't right sure. subhanallah and I love that so much what about mm. you I, I yeah I think the humility uh, really shines through and I think the humility in even going on that journey mm. of and discovering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I it was I love how he, you know, traveled throughout the world and he he's noticed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, in the ways that humans have tried to get close to him or have been inspired by closeness to him in, in their writings, in their architecture and all the manifest ways that closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exhibits. And it made me think about that journey that we're all on, whether we were, and I like you're referring to people who've converted or people who are, Muslim but have you know become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I've often heard that you know even if you're born Muslim that there's a, there's a point in your life where you make a choice and you make a choice to be Muslim yourself and, and that's that's kind of your moment of faith and I think that what this um, piece really brought home to me is the, the fact that there's a moment that you make a choice but there are so many moments even in in every day where you're choosing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you're choosing Islam, you're choosing to strive for closeness, and, and Ramadan really crystallizes that. It kind of um, focuses us on on that striving and on that journey. Like I was saying, the humility of even going on that journey, and and the author here, Zara, goes on a physical journey where he travels to, you know, places to see and to observe and to you know, you, you know try and be inspired by the signs of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Um, but it made me think about what kind of journey. Do we go on um, even even sitting in a room with four walls and with you know the door closed? How can we go on a journey of discovery too? Also the dedication. I think we can, you know, get complacent or or become jaded or um, even just become lazy in in that striving. And mm. I think that's something that this this piece really beautifully reminded me is that. Um, whether whether we're physically moving towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through lands or through places that we find inspiring or to people that we find inspiring or whether we're um, doing that internally that's a striving and that's something that takes the you know the the desire for guidance mm. and effort and I think yeah subhanallah 
Wow. <laughs> I'm a bit, um, wow, this is a we've, hard task that we've signed up for, but also really enjoyable. I'm really enjoying getting, extracting these very cool um, reflections. Mm. So our next poem comes from Rakea. Rakea Fatuga is a 24-year-old poet and facilitator from London. Her work joins conversations on overlapping identities, faith, and cultural practice as self-affirmation. Rakea also writes fiction and is developing her monodrama, Unbraided, a coming-of-age story about learning to cane row hair and girlhood as a black British Muslim. The Khedo Collective is a UK-based multidisciplinary arts collective which creates and platforms the work of Muslim artists. So this poem was also featured in their latest edition of the Khedo zine, which was The Water Issue. And it's a beautiful, beautiful collection. And if you're looking for an Eid present for somebody, especially somebody creative-minded, I would really recommend it. I think it's a beautiful gift. And we'll, inshallah, put some links out as well. Inshallah. So let's have a listen to Rakea's poem. Tired mourner, if my body is a vessel, most days I am a stagnant stream, something that gathers parasites, like envy, sits in my stomach as I watch a woman perform a death wail, her guttural cry peeling the last repression off the afternoon. She speaks the Volta River's tongue but needs no words to open the laden space like a deep horn or gunshot, like a ribbon cut. You all are welcome to call upon your tears, even the source lapping below the surface. Come to find closure and release in the damp earth we have watered together. Dance now, stamp your resent into the ground, let it fly off your fingertips and limbs as you bobobo to the beat. She moves the mourners and I watch. How she can access her pain and free it so easily. How she has mastered melting into grief while others knot ropes around it. While I have tied mine so tightly to my stomach and throat that I've forgotten how to make a sound, to turn a sobbing gut into a howl. Find better homes for pain and how to teach poisons to fountain out teach stagnant whales to stream. Hanya, I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome with this episode because these are seriously, beautifully, like... I think what we were mentioning in the beginning, isn't it? I think we need some time just to dissect and um, not even just dissect, just to absorb some of the really mm. incredible imagery and, and language. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if listeners have to sort of rewind and listen again, because I think it's yeah. definitely one that you extract more from. Um, I actually got Hania to send me a, a copy of the written version of this, which is published in the, um, the Kitherzine issue. And I think the difference between reading and listening to it is, is actually quite profound and not just the difference, but the way that it's now in my mind really 
reinforce some of the reflections. I think, Hani, do you want to give everyone a bit more context about what you've understood from, from this poem? Sure. So I think the, the, the way that I would summarise it, and obviously that's one of the beauties of poetry, is that everybody's interpretation is um, unique, but it's to do with, well, we've got the narrator who's watching um, a funeral and somebody has been hired, as is done in some cultures, to, to organise the grieving or to set a kind of mood and tone to, to the event. And as she's watching this lady who's been hired to hold this position at this funeral, she is envious of the way that this woman is able to express her grief, but also be free from that grief in, in the expression of it. And how, in contrast, the narrator feels weighed down by the heaviness of, of the pain that she that she's holding within herself um, and she wishes that she was able to release it and in releasing it free herself from the burden of it as well mm. and it's like you said and I have some beautiful imagery and, and the theme of water that travels through the poem um, is is really profound and is a really um, apt I think a really apt metaphor to be using in the way that water is something that purifies us and cleanses us and um wow. but it's um, also what falls from our eyes when we cry. Right. <laughs> yeah, subhanAllah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and the way that we've been instructed to use it as something in times of anxiety and stress it's mm. like one of the things that we've been to, you know told to do is to go and make wudu and mm. that's a way of cooling us down um physically but also um spiritually as well subhanallah i feel very much transported back to gcsc english days <laughs> which is the last time that i have properly analyzed poetry. Mm. um but that that feeling that you know when you sort of like the first the first read or the first listen you you're sort of like, oh, okay, maybe I kind of understand what this means. And then the further and further you get into it, there's so many layers and so much depth. One of the things she says, and, and I'm reading it, but she says, you know, come to find closure and release in the damp earth we have watered together. So what that reminds me of is in the Quran, when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, you know, land that is barren, and then mm. he has the power to bring life after it has gone like after mm. it's you know everything is dead and everything is dry but unless one they can bring that back mm -hmm. and that's his that's his the beauty and for me that's a huge metaphor for I think the the grief of this dunya and I think it's so easy to get lost in that you know like to to feel so trapped or to mm. feel so um almost just sometimes despondent uh, mm -hmm. when when you have a lot of grief or a lot of difficulty in, the, in this life and realizing that that metaphor is always about not just Allah bringing life back to dead earth but also when we die how that's the start of really the start isn't it it's not really mm. the end it's it's a transition point into mm. into the akhirah which is endless and limitless and right. and inshallah without grief and mm. a place where that literally we won't even know what grief was or, or what right. we'll have no memory of it and, and how big of a blessing that is that subhanallah yeah. Yeah, like subhanAllah, like and, and actually, you know, I don't know I don't know what cultures hire mourners, because obviously that's not a thing within Islam, right? But the interestingness of that, I think, from a human like I guess we were talking earlier about me about like atheism or belief in Allah and all this kind of thing. And it's such an interesting 
thing that human beings need to mourn. Does that make mm. sense? Because everything dies, like all, all species die and that kind of thing. There's a lot of species mm. that actually do mourn or have this kind mm. of um, missing of somebody who's left or somebody right. who's There's a natural left. process that, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's actually a very interesting one because where does that come from? Um, and mm. if it doesn't come from Allah, then then where does it come from? And of course, obviously we believe it does come from Allah. Yeah, but subhanAllah, it's such a you know, from a, from a worldview where everything spontaneously just evolved and randomly come about, then where, mm. where is the place for mourning? Why, why What's does that the exist? Use? <laughs> mm. Yeah, what is, the, what is the use of mourning? It doesn't really... Right. But what, this, what purpose does it serve? Exactly, but this poem, I think, really captures the purpose mm. of it and for us psychologically and emotionally. Mm. And I think as we're talking about this, I know it's, it's quite a heavy piece, but it's reminding me of the converse as well, that you know and and the way that you're talking about the cyclical nature of you know um earth and um it being barren and being brought back to life i think that's the reality of this world as well and that we have grief but we also have you know times where we're meant to rejoice and we're you know meant to cultivate um a a space within us to be able to handle both of those realities Mm -hmm. and so um you know, rejoicing and being happy is something that's also um, prescribed as part of the experience of this life. And it's Eid. So, yeah. that's, you know, that's a time that was meant for rejoicing and for, for happiness. And for every Ramadan, I think that I realize mm. my my experience that Ramadan has had a certain theme. Mm. Um, and it's always happened. Like, it tends to be something totally yeah. accidental, right? But mm. something that I would have read about or learned about mm. in the beginning of and Ramadan. And it keeps recurring. And it keeps yeah. recurring. And this year, this Ramadan is the concept of Ridha which mm. I had actually never heard of before. Although, mm. like, since hearing about it at the beginning of Ramadan, it's propped up everywhere. And I'm like, okay, mm. maybe I have heard of it and actually never mm. paid attention. But essentially the con- the concept of contentment with Allah's mm. plan and contentment with divine decree mm. and just contentment with God. And I think mm. actually when we look at that from a, from a perspective of mourning, grief, all of these kind of things, it's exactly what you've said, Eid, there's a reason that like Jummah comes every week and, and the Prophet mm. said it's like an Eid, right? Like it's, it's once a week. Our Eid, yeah. It's our Eid. And I find it amazing that when we do our Salah, regardless of what kind of time you're going through, you will open with Surah Fatiha. Like you mm. start with praise to Allah. It doesn't matter if you, you say Alhamdulillah, regardless of if it's a hard time or an easy time or a tough sure. time or whatever time you're going through five times a day or more than five times a day because you're doing so many rakahs and stuff it's that reminder of like look all praise belongs to Allah and that um that coming to that coming to that peace and coming to that contentment with his plan Mm. is just such a it's it's just like the most beautiful way of being and the most Mm. comforting and most like you know, like peaceful. of course, peaceful yeah. way. Exactly, yeah. and it's not. That's not to say, obviously, you know, our prophets grieved. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu when he right. lost loved one, lost loved ones, mm. he de- definitely demonstrated this attribute of that. But it doesn't mean mm. that he didn't cry. It doesn't mean that he wasn't mm. upset. But it's more mm. about like you don't become disappointed with Allah. You don't become like, mm. oh Allah, why have you put me through this? Or questioning of Allah. It's more like you know what? I don't get it right now. But my wisdom is not equivalent to Allah's. Mm-hmm. Like Allah's wisdom is way beyond that. And I guess that's the same thing that Zirar was saying, wasn't it, in, in his poem mm-hmm. about that humility that we have to have in realizing that our logic might not always make sense. Like things might mm-hmm. not make sense according We've to got how limited. we. 
yeah understanding limiting so. understanding and intellect and mm. but then at the end of the day it's like resigning ourselves to okay Allah Allah is you know Allah is all of his attributes at the same mm. time in infinite amounts mm. and he is the best of planners and yeah. that's it so it's upon I mean I don't even know how we got there from this poem but <laughs> But we got there. But we got there, and that's the beautiful. So wow, Subhanallah, lots of poems, um, lots of beautiful reflections that I didn't even think we would get to today, Hania. So I, I guess, um, yeah, it has been a journey, and I hope that Inshallah, it's been a nice bit of an Eid listen. Um, we did get pretty deep, but I think Inshallah, at the end of the day, I hope that we were able to extract some good lessons from these poems. Hania, do you have a one-liner? take home message from today's um, episode I hope everybody has a really beautiful Eid and I hope that the kind of reflective state that um, Ramadan has inshallah brought you to is something that prevails um, throughout the rest of the year and I, I mean that for myself uh, as most strongly um, and for everybody yeah. else as well Hamda we've been really blessed to to now have been doing the submissions podcast for almost a year not a year yet but alhamdulillah it's been so so wonderful to get lots of wonderful stories and that this episode is of poems and i just pray that we can continue doing this because we love we love recording these episodes and we love putting out our content alhamdulillah it's been really nice to just reflect very much in keeping with ramadan i think all of those things that keep us humble and keep us reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reminded all the time of our ultimate purpose and I think I pray that we're able to keep doing that and keep having that at the forefront of our minds inshallah as as the days go on and as the year goes on as well so I think that brings us to an end inshallah so please do send us your stories inshallah if you want to send us more poems if you really like today's episode I'm sure we can do another poetry episode yeah. I mean there's another Eid coming up so <laughs> that could be our Eid thing so do send us inshallah we've got www.submissionspodcast.com or you can email us at team at submissionspodcast.com make sure you follow us on social media we love putting out our episodes and we hope that you love them as well so please share the share our podcast with others if you enjoy listening to it spread the word and we look forward to sharing another episode with you very very soon until next time i'm inaya i'm hania and this was submissions